0: Welcome to the Farm Commons Podcast, where we make farm law accessible and actionable for sustainable farmers and ranchers, as well as their networks of support. I'm Eva.
1: And I'm Kate. In each episode, we explore real legal issues faced on farms every day, providing key knowledge and tangible solutions to help you grow a thriving agricultural business.
0: From managing liability to navigating tough conversations with landlords and neighbors, we've got your back. Let's get started.
1: Hi, everyone. We're back with another Farm Commons podcast, and we've got a very interesting topic that we'll be covering today. Uh, So, Kate, how would you define an intern on the farm? Hmm.
0: Well, I've never been an intern on a farm, but I have been an intern many a times, and so my definition just comes from my personal experience. But um I would say an intern is a person at the beginning of their career who probably takes a temporary position for little or no money uh,
1: in exchange for experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh I know A lot of farmers and ranchers personally and um, also those who we work with at Farm Commons probably have a similar understanding of what an intern is. But as we'll talk about today, the way that business owners understand internships is different from how the law actually understands internships. And this has caused quite a bit of confusion and angst for farmers and ranchers once they learn how the law understands internships. So uh, it's October 2022 right now, and I've been at Farm Commons for a little over four years now. And over that time, we have gotten the question over and over again in various forms. um, But what the question boils down to is, can I have interns? And do I need to pay my interns? Uh, Can I call my interns interns, even if I pay them. Uh, So lots of curiosity around interns on the farm. And the answer to these questions is actually quite simple, legally speaking, Uh, but we need to address the mismatch of understanding between uh, the mind of the law and the mind of business owners and how they understand interns. Uh, and as always, we have uh, some expert help here. We've got Rachel on the line, who's our executive director and uh, one of our staff attorneys. And Rachel's going to help us parse through this. So, hey, Rachel.
2: Hey, folks. Good to talk about this uh, this subject. It is such an important one and, um, and one people are often very interested in. Sometimes we're interested in it because we, you know, we have an intellectual curiosity about interns. Sometimes we have an interest because we are one or were one or we're thinking about offering one. So um, it's a variety of different angles on this. The thing is, though, if we go back a decade or more, we start to see a lot of legal interest in the subject and we start to find lawsuits. We can find lawsuits where hundreds of interns have sued their employers and won millions of dollars in back wages because those internships were not structured correctly. So, you know, it's good reason why business owners are starting to pay closer attention to the issue and wondering where they sit. Uh, The bad news, though, is that the law and business owners uh, still tend to be talking past each other on the issue of internships and um, what's required versus what the reality is for practice. Like you said, though, uh, there is an easy answer, and we can cut right to the chase here at the beginning. All the law really cares about is whether employment laws are being followed. So uh, the... You know, but makes sense, right? All the law cares about is whether the laws are being followed. Yes. But what gets confusing is because the job title that we're using doesn't matter to the law. So, you know, we, we start this podcast saying we're going to talk about internships. The law doesn't care that you call it an internship. The law cares what is happening. It is the nature of the work being performed that matters from a legal perspective. I'll play this out for you a little bit differently. Let's say on one hand, we have an internship that requires the intern to show up on harvest days to contribute to getting the leeks out of the ground, even though, you know, the intern might be pretty slow. Maybe then the intern is expected to go back to the pack shed, help wash the leeks, put them, you know, in a box and meet the farm standards for how those things are going to be packed. Now, let's say on our other hand, we have an intern that shows up in between classes, Maybe this person follows the farmer around watching what the farmer is doing, trying to stay out of the way, and uh, maybe being offered an opportunity to harvest a leek or two, but mostly they mess it up because they really don't know how to harvest leeks, and then they go back to the office to interview the farmer for a school essay, for example. Both of these people might be called interns. But we have two completely different legal things going on here. They might both have the title intern, but the the thing we need to focus on is that one of these people is likely to be an employee for whom employment laws must be followed, and the other is not. So when we refer back to those lawsuits that interns are winning, they're winning those lawsuits because of a central premise of, of employment law. Anyone who does the work of a for-profit business is considered an employee by default. So, you know, I know I've, I've, I've come at you with a bunch of legal information to get us started here, but that's really the gist of what we're talking about when we're talking about what is an internship legally.
0: Mm. Yeah, you know, I, for one, really appreciate getting this cut to the chase legal info right up top and then we can parse it out and dissect it and... The thing that's sticking out to me right now um, is that phrase, do the work of a for-profit business. Um, anyone who does the work of a for-profit business is considered an employee by default. And I'd love to parse out what that means. What does it mean to do the work of the business, legally speaking?
2: That's a great question. It's, it's, it's one of those simple phrases behind which there is a lot of, of substance and substance that that matters. Uh, the obvious answer would be, well, you know, anything that a farm or ranch might do, um, to raise animals, grow crops, harvest them, market the product. However you do that, I mean, that's the work of your business, all the things you do. But that doesn't, it's not very satisfying, right? Okay, thanks for the obvious. Let's, maybe if we spell that out, working on our, on our leak story, we can, we can get a little farther. So let's take, um um, intern A, who did the work of harvesting the leeks. She did the work of harvesting leeks. She might've done it slowly. She might've done it poorly and without a lot of skill, but she's doing harvesting leeks and harvesting leeks is the work of a business that grows and sells vegetables. Now let's look at intern B. She was not really doing work. She was watching. She was observing. She was following the farmer around. She was trying her hand at harvesting a couple of leaks before going back to do an interview and write an essay. So I'm hopeful that that, that that example of our intern A and intern B can help flesh out how following someone around and watching what they're doing and trying your hand at something really isn't achieving the work of the business. Actually, getting a leak out of the ground, washing it, and putting it in a box, work of the business. Another way we can look at this is from the perspective of what is not the work of a farm business. Here, my classic example is gleaning. Gleaning in its definitional sense is taking product out of the field that is not marketable to harvest. It is collecting product that otherwise would not be harvested and then using that to say, um, you know, give to the food shelf or something like that. If someone is harvesting crops that the farm was never going to pick up in the first place, well, that's not really the work of the farm, right? It's not the work of the farm to go pick up unharvestable or unmarketable crops. So it's a little bit sophisticated, a little, little bit nuanced here. But, um, but I think that when you take a rational, common sense approach to what does it take for me to run my business, you're going to figure out pretty quickly what is the work of the farm and what is not. So I can put a little bow on this by saying by, by bringing us back around to the point that you know you can give your workers any job title you want as long as you're following the law's obligations. In most cases, interns are doing the work of the farm, and thus employment laws apply.
1: Mm-hmm. Rachel, you're jogging my memory here. I believe you have a story, a really good one about job titles.
2: Yes. Yes. My favorite story about job titles. I do have one. Um, so imagine me, I'm sitting in this workshop, um, and I'm talking with, uh, with a bunch of producers about sales contracts and, and how to move more product through a local distributor, um, it's a great conversation and I'm getting done and I'm, I'm talking to the, to the gal and it, we get to that point where we say, hey, let's trade, let's trade business cards. We need to connect again. So she hands me this business card and it has her name on it and then it has her job title. The job title is Head of Broccoli, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. So of course, I am laughing and like this is the best business card ever. And she says, well, just wait. My colleague is the head of lettuce. So, you know. <laughs>
0: good stuff wow i uh have a new goal and it is to become head of broccoli someday um <laughs> <laughs> you too can be a head of broccoli <laughs> yeah so I, I love i love the creativity and humor there um and that distinction that job titles are you know really not something that the law is going to be looking at um is really interesting and it's making me wonder if there even is um a legal like recognition or definition of internships is is an intern a concept that exists in the law.
2: Fabulous question. Love that. You know if you start googling the statutes reading the statutes around employment law you're going to be hard pressed to find the word intern in there. Um But that isn't to say that it doesn't exist. It it does. It just hasn't come about through the statutes or regulations. It's really come about through case law. Case law is when people sue people. It's also evolved through uh, the policies and directives of the Federal Department of Labor and then the State Departments of Labor. So if you want to find this definition, those are the places that you've got to go. And yes, when you look in those places, you will find a more substantial definition of a legal intern. We call it Fact Sheet Seventy-One. It comes out of the Federal Department of Labor, and state departments also follow that. And it details seven legal criteria for interns. Fact Sheet Seventy-One. It's been through a lot of changes through changing presidential administrations, and and um, you know you can you can look it up if you really want those details. But what I'm here to tell you is three of the criteria on that list that are the most problematic for farms. So here's the thing. In order to have an intern that is not also an employee for whom employment laws need to be followed, you got to have three things. Number one, they should be involved in an, in a formal educational program. So basically that means enrolled in college or high school or something. Number two they need to receive significant, broadly applicable educational benefit. So not just learn how your farm works, but learn how lots of farms work and general theories about how farms work. The third and most killer one, they cannot displace employees. So, you know, rare is the, is the farmer that would ever fire real employees and then take on interns, but that's not what this means. This means they can't, If that intern was not there, no harm would come. We wouldn't then need to hire employees. They are not a substitute for employees. So those criteria can be really difficult for a lot of farms to meet.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because basically the subtext is it shouldn't matter whether or not the intern shows up for quote unquote work. Um, And so that leads to the logical conclusion that interns have to be useless by law. Uh, That, bear with us, that makes sense. You listeners out there might be thinking like, oh my gosh, what, the interns need to be useful? Why would I have useless people on my farm? That makes no sense. Um, But legally speaking, it does make quite a bit of sense because we don't want someone who is benefiting a business to not be protected by employment law and miss out on you know those those protections of minimum wage, workers' compensation, um, overtime, and others. But those are, those are the key three areas of employment law. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm having a moment over
0: here as I'm listening to these descriptions of a legal internship program, and I'm starting to think that all of my former internships were actually illegal. <laughs> and um, yeah, is that? Can you say a little bit more? That happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. That
2: happens a lot when mm. we when we talk about this, <laughs> this material. <laughs> One thing I should point out, though, is that the rules are different for nonprofits. Mm. So if you worked for nonprofits in the past, well, we get some changed circumstances. Unlike for-profit businesses, nonprofits can have folks working for them who uh, – who do the work of the nonprofit's business but aren't classified as employees? Mm. Why? Nonprofits can have volunteers. For-profit businesses can't. And and that gets back to the, you know, the fundamental distinction. Are they doing the work of a for-profit business? If so, the default is that they're an employee.
1: Yeah, so I think this is a good opportunity to summarize what all of this means for you listeners out there who do have for-profit farms and ranches. Uh, So if you were planning on paying folks who are interns, having those interns on your farm and paying them, compensating them for their labor on your farm, doing the work of your for-profit business, then um, you can call them interns, but treat them as employees to manage your employment law risks and then go on your merry way. Uh, if you were hoping to have unpaid interns, however, uh, you'll need to meet the seven legal requirements of an internship, which really boil down to um, what, Rachel, you were saying earlier with the three highlights, um, your business cannot benefit from having interns. And if if you can't pay your interns, um, so you, you want to have interns, but you can't pay them and you can't meet the criteria for having a legal intern then best risk management strategy is to not have those interns. And what I'm hearing is
0: if you operate a nonprofit farm, then you do have a little bit more freedom to bring on a person as an intern who does benefit the business but is unpaid or paid below minimum wage because of that um, that freedom of nonprofits to have volunteers So there's a lot more information about those distinctions in uh, one of our resources in our library. It's called the Farmer's Legal Guide to Intern and Volunteer Programs. It is linked in the show notes, so check that out.
2: I especially appreciate that you use the phrase nonprofits have more freedom. It's not an unlimited freedom. And if we do have folks listening that operate nonprofits, read that guide, because we go into more detail about the limitations on nonprofits, um, the, in, the limitations they also have in how they can use uh, volunteers in in the
0: course of their work. Okay, awesome. Thank you. So I'll also say that we cover the details of this issue of interns versus volunteers, et cetera, and more and in our Advanced Farm Employment Law course, which is also linked in the show notes. if you want something a little bit more interactive um, and less text heavy, that's definitely a great learning uh, experience and opportunity. So check that out. And um, yeah, I think this was a pretty, like we said, it's a simple legal answer to what feels like a, a complicated issue in a business owner's minds. So we hope this was able to help you make some risk management decisions.
1: Yeah, for sure. Simple to say, hard to do, but you can do it. All right. Thanks all. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye.
0: We're so glad you joined us for this episode of the Farm Commons podcast. If you are looking for more resources on your burning farm law questions, visit our website at farmcommons.org for a variety of workshops, guides, checklists, tutorials, and more. You can also email your questions and comments to info at farmcommons.org. Stay tuned for our next episode and until then, keep growing. This work is supported by the Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network, Fersan, grant number 2021 and project accession number 1027099 from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this publication are those of the authors and should not be construed to represent any official USDA or U.S. government determination or policy.